Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Also, we'll chat with food professor Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. And up first in today's country comment, we'll talk about High Life's purchase of a Minnesota-based pork processing plant. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. LaBrokery-based High Life has purchased 75% equity interest of Prime Pork from Taylor Corporation. Prime Pork produces, processes, and sells pork products out of Wyndham, Minnesota. Kevin Geisheimer is High Life's marketing and events manager. High Life's always looking for growth opportunities, and um, we kind of always got our iron in the fire, I guess, looking around for different things, and we saw the opportunity to uh, partner up with uh, Mr. Glenn Taylor, and uh, and through conversations over the last while, I uh, thought, hey, this looked like an opportunity to further diversify what High Life does and uh, really just allow us to strengthen our supply chain and, and give us that, that diversity, like I just mentioned, in our operations to better serve our customers around the world. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Prime Pork uh, facility there in uh, Wyndham, Minnesota. Yeah, it was formerly a beef plant, and then uh, Glenn Taylor purchased, I guess, the uh, uh, shut down beef plant um, and turned it into a pork processing plant not too long ago. So it's recently renovated a uh, processing facility and uh, they've spent a lot of money updating it and upgrading it and, uh, and uh, turn, making it to what it is today. And so currently uh, the facility processes uh, right around the 5,500 uh, hogs uh, per day. Uh, and uh, so that right now that that facility is processing uh, 1.2 million hogs annually. Uh, and so uh, currently that's what it's doing. It has uh, over 650 employees that call Prime Pork home and uh, it's located in the community of uh, Wyndham, Minnesota. So it's a, I guess, a partially integrated uh, system, mostly just the processing plant. There are some um, hog contracts that, that go through that plant. Um, but uh, yes, not, not, uh, Prime Pork isn't, as, isn't a fully integrated process like High Life. Talk a bit more about, about the location and um, you know, how, how you can take advantage of that. Southern Minnesota is a, is, provides really a, a great opportunity for, for High Life. Uh, it's, it's abundant with uh, just the, all the resources needed in regards to the egg uh, sector. And uh, just, it's also abundant with securing hog supply and just all the materials that are necessary and needed to operate a facility of this nature. Is the transaction now completed or...? Yes, yep. it was officially completed at 1 o'clock Friday afternoon. That was Kevin Geisheimer, Marketing and Events Manager for High Life. He was talking about the recent acquisition of Prime Pork in Wyndham, Minnesota. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business has released results from a new survey asking how farmers feel about the government's COVID-19 emergency relief funding. Marilyn braun Polin is CFIB's Vice President for Western Canada and Agribusiness. These are extremely uh, stressful and uncertain times in the ag sector. Is the, you know, we see the supply chain problems really cascading down through the sector and all the way to the primary uh, producer. You know, I think when you when you look at it, um, only 29% of farmers say that the $252 million uh, relief package will be uh, helpful. You know, we're saying that uh, you know Canada's food producers are urgently asking for more help from the government. Uh, you know, amid 
supply chain interruptions, labor shortages, mounting costs. CFIB is asking the federal government to provide additional emergency funding to the egg sector to offset lost income resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. With warmer temperatures continuing this week, weeds will start to become a concern for many farmers. Tammy Jones is with Manitoba Agriculture. With the heat that we've had, and now with a little bit of rain that we've had, or a lot of rain in some areas, there are lots of weeds out there. And the perennials are doing quite well. I've seen quite large dandelions that are going to be a challenge for control in crop or even as a pre-seed control. There's going to be some challenges just because they're so big, but we're seeing lots of other weeds coming now too. So lots of lambs, quarters, and redroot pigweed. Jones reminds farmers to pay close attention to drift when applying herbicide. And the realized net income of Canadian agricultural producers rose for the first time in three years, up 10.4% to $4.9 billion in 2019. Higher cannabis and livestock receipts combined with increased program payments offset rising operating expenses. This follows a 37.4% decline in 2018 when sharply higher input costs and lower canola receipts pushed net farm income lower. Increases in realized net income were recorded in Alberta, Quebec, British Columbia, New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island. Saskatchewan and Manitoba recorded the largest declines in realized net farm income. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, May 26th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with food professor Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. A professor at Dalhousie University says we better get used to higher food prices. Here's Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. I think so. Uh, well, this year uh, we were already expecting a uh, high food inflation rate uh, back in December for 2020. That's not going to change. The problem is that the general inflation rate is going to be very low. Uh, so a 4% will probably feel more like a 10% for a lot of people. Uh, so that's certainly... Uh, it's good news for people who want to stay home and cook because uh, you'll save money, but uh, it's bad news for people who will likely go back to their own ways, uh, go out to the restaurants and things like that because you're probably going to be spending way more than uh, than before. And yeah, I guess uh, on that note, talk, talk a little bit about, um, you know, when w- restaurants start opening up, um, you know, what that might look like. And, um, you know, do you think Canadians will, will start spending once they do open up? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the challenge. Of course, we're, we are working on a uh, study right now. We are going to be releasing a report on this exact issue next week. We're asking Canadians this week right now uh, when they're planning to go back, what they're expecting when they go to their restaurants and what are restaurants expecting as well what they should be expecting as well so uh, next week I'll have more information about this but the reality when it comes to food economics the, the, the reality is that it's going to cost more to produce food it's going to cost more to distribute food uh, over the next little while the reality that we see in grocery stores is, is, um, is the same across the supply chain uh, physical distancing, uh, cleaning protocols, salaries going up, 
uh, a lot of pre- many pressure points affecting uh, the entire value chain. So that's probably why consumers will need to get used to higher food prices, not only for this year, but for subsequent years as well. Even with the food prices uh, rising, is there, I guess, a bit of a silver lining with, with maybe some ho- households uh, spending less on food? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we did actually make some calculations. Since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the average household may have actually saved about $400 uh, just staying home and cook. So even though food prices are going up, you're basically saving uh, while sp- staying at home. So, and if that's uh, and it ha- if that becomes addictive for some people, well, people may actually stay home a little bit longer, and may save some money. But if you don't, of course, if you go back to work and you do, you do actually commute and uh, and you have to stay away from home for a while. You'll consume more food outside the home, and you do get less for your dollar when you spend outside the home. That was Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, professor at Dalhousie University. Continuing on today's Prairie Eggwire, we're joined by Manitoba's weed specialist, Tammy Jones, who gave us an update on what's happening out in the field. The first two little weeds that I get lots of questions about this time of year are pygmy flower and yellow whitlow grass. They're very tiny. They're blooming right now, and everyone panics about them. So we did uh, provide photos of that within the crop pest report, and I guess the, the good news is there is that they're almost done their job as far as setting seeds, so they're not really crop competition, and they're not really anything to worry about. That being said, when we look in the fields, um, with the heat that we've had, and now with a little bit of rain that we've had, or a lot of rain in some areas, there are lots of weeds out there, and the perennials are doing quite well. I've seen quite large dandelions that are going to be a challenge for um, control in crop, or even as a pre-seed um, control. There's going to be some challenges just because they're so big, but we're seeing lots of other weeds coming now too. So lots of lambs, quarters, and red root pigweed. And uh, it's it's a great time if you like weeds. It's not a great time if you don't like weeds. And talk a bit more about uh, pre-seed herbicide applications and uh, you know what's been happening here over the past uh, few days. So um, one of the things with pre-seed herbicides is that you want to get it onto the soil. For most of them, they're soil active. And so sometimes we're trying to do tillage to get rid of crop residue. At that same time, we might be hurting the weeds, and so they're less actively growing. And so sometimes our pre-seed herbicides don't work on those harmed weeds, and it'll take a little bit of time for that to work. But the other side of it has been that we haven't seen a lot of rain up until very, very recently. And a lot of the pre-seed herbicides do require a quarter of an inch to a half inch of moisture to make sure that they're in soil solution and that they are taken up by those germinating weeds. Anything that's already emerged needs to be hit with something that's actually going to um, burn them off, so something like a glyphosate or a heat or something that has contact. But the soil-applied ones need to get into soil solution and get sucked up by the roots and into the plant in order to provide control. And with drier conditions like we were having, there may have been a little bit of time where weeds got to germinate before those pre-seed herbicides that were soil applied get activated. And so we may see that there are some misses on some of those weeds and we need to be in our field double checking to make sure that we have good weed control and that we don't need to get in there in order to control those weeds during the appropriate staging. 
And it looks like, uh, you know, most of the province, we're going to get some pretty good heat here this week. Um, what, what are you expecting uh, to happen? Uh, a party for the weeds and um, some, some pretty intense decision-making by growers as they try to figure out when they can get into those fields and um, control those weeds. So lots of farmers went out prior to seeding and felt that there was maybe not enough weeds in order to control. And I've had a lot of questions since then saying, how do I get rid of this particular weed in this particular crop? And now there are not good answers for them. There's just no good options for some particular weeds in some crops. So like grassy weeds in a weed or barley or oat crop, there are limitations on what will work on them. And the same with broadleaf weeds in some of the broadleaf crops. And so skipping that pre-seed burn might have been a real challenge. And now it's going to lead to some creativity And I think that we just need to make sure that we're making the right decision for um, a lot of different reasons. The staging of the weed, the crop itself, the crop tolerance, and trying not to push those limits and being too creative with what we're using for weed control as we get maybe a little bit desperate because there is a lot of weeds coming. That was Tammy Jones, a weed specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. Keystone Egg Producers is hosting another webinar this Thursday. The topic this week is tips on planning for emergencies. Stay safe and keep your farm business running smoothly during COVID-19 and beyond. The Manitoba Agricultural Museum near Austin will be reopening its doors to the general public this Friday. With reduced hours and new safety measures, follow them on social media for more information. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available online. This is endorsed by the province and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. And the 2020 Manitoba Sheep Association show and sale has been cancelled. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is Production Specialist Laura Schmidt. I'm the new Western Production Specialist with MPSG. I've been with MPSG for three years, and I've just transitioned to this new role this spring after defending my MSc thesis, researching dry beans. I'm looking forward to connecting with farmers and agronomists across Manitoba, so please feel free to give me a shout. And Laura, give us a bit of a crop update on you know what's happening out there. Seeding progressed very quickly last week with the warmer temperatures throughout the province. The rain we got over the weekend was quite variable throughout Manitoba. Tea and fava bean seeding is pretty much complete with crops emerging and approaching the first node stage in much of the province. As crops are emerging, keep an eye out for early season pests like root rots, cutworms and wireworms. Soybean seeding is well underway. Farmers who planted soybeans earlier in the month should check out for signs of cold stress like twisted seedlings and delayed or poor emergence. Dry bean seeding began last week and continues into this week. MPSG's on-farm network trial seeding is also very well underway with pea, faba bean, dry bean and soybean trials already in the ground. As these crops start to emerge, we're going to begin data collection. What should farmers keep in mind uh, when it comes to soybean seed depth? 
Aim for half to one and a half inch seed depth for soybeans. If you're facing dry soil and the decision to dust in seed, know that you're going to need a good rain afterwards for the seed to take off. If you're looking to plant deeper than an inch and a half to reach soil moisture, the seed might struggle to come out of the ground, resulting in delayed or uneven emergence. Check your seed depth a few times while seeding. Ideally, aim to assess seed depth when you first start in the headlands and a couple times later on when you're in different parts of the field to make sure your seeding depth is still adequate and also maybe to check if you've got soil moisture at a shallower depth. And Laura, talk a little bit about uh, soybean rolling considerations. Consider seedbed conditions. Dry soil will be more prone to erosion, while wet soil will be prone to sealing and cracking. In these cases, rolling could be delayed post-emergence until V1, once you're past that hook stage, during the heat of the day. If you don't have stones or large soil clods that present harvest issues, consider saving the fuel and avoid rolling altogether. Any tips uh, when it comes to dry bean seeding? So dry bean seeding, as it's ongoing, we've put together some tips. Uh, seed depth ranges from one to one and a half inches deep, depending on soil moisture. Inoculants have been tested in the past with little success and haven't been widely commercially available. As a result, nitrogen fertilization is standard practice for Manitoba. Uh, research is ongoing in this area, but for now, uh, check out Manitoba Agriculture Soil Fertility Guide recommendations. Dry beans can be planted in narrow or wide row width, depending on your equipment. Uh, research has shown a yield advantage to narrow rows due to better sunlight capture. Target plant stands will vary with market class and row spacing. Increased plant populations on narrow row width. For pinto and black beans, target 90 to 120,000 plants per acre. And for navy beans, target greater than 115,000 plants per acre. The full table of target plant stands by market class is available on our website for you to check out. You can read more about these topics in the Bean Report email to be sent out Wednesday morning. Visit manitobapulse.ca slash production for more information on growing pulse and soybean crops and to sign up for the Bean Report. Thanks, Laura. Laura Schmidt is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Drift is always a concern for farmers when applying herbicide. Tammy Jones is with Manitoba Agriculture. What's the wind speed? What's the wind direction? What kind of nozzles are you using? What herbicide and what water volume so that you try to mitigate the risk so that you're not harming a crop nearby because they are germinating and emerging a lot more quickly than we may have anticipated and that we're not impacting on our yard sites, our shelter belts and all that kind of thing. So make sure that there's a large enough buffer between wherever is a non-target site and where you're spraying to ensure that we're not causing any issues. Jones expects weeds to really become an issue this week with the warmer weather. A recent survey by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business shows that only 29% of farmers say the federal emergency funding that was recently announced will be helpful for their business. Marilyn Braun-Polin is CFIB's Vice President for Western Canada and Agribusiness. 42% of farmers in the livestock sector said the emergency relief will be helpful for their business, while almost half of them said it will not be helpful. Um, you know, 25% of uh, fruit, vegetable and horticultural farms uh, said it will be helpful. And then about 28% of, of uh, food uh, product processing said the emergency relief will be helpful. CFIB is asking the federal government to improve current business risk management programs. And farm cash receipts for Canadian farmers totaled $16.9 billion dollars. In the first quarter, that's up 5.5% from the same quarter in 2019. 
Crops, livestock, and program payment receipts were all up from a year earlier. Seven provinces reported higher cash receipts led by Ontario, Quebec, and British Columbia. Cash receipts were down in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Farm cash receipts data for the first quarter was collected during the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.